And we are these beautiful cyclical beings as women, but because we've not been educated in that way, we don't understand that we go through different phases, not only every single month, but every season. Welcome to Better with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for women just like you with a deep desire for learning, self-actualization, and becoming more of who you already are. Every week, we are going to deconstruct how to build better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families. I'll be giving you access to world-class thought leaders to help give you the tools to answer this question. What are the simplest things that you can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and want to share the juiciest questions, topics, and often taboo conversations that I think I've always wanted to be a part of and I wanted to be having. So let's get better together. Hey, Bettys, welcome back to Better with Dr. Stephanie. It's me, your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This week, I am bringing you a conversation with my friend and colleague, Jen Pike. Jen is a functional diagnostic nutritionist and medical exercise specialist, and she specializes in women's health and hormones. She is the best-selling author of The Simplicity Project, as well as her two cookbooks, The Simplicity Kitchen and The Simplicity Body. She's the founder of several programs, including the Hormone Project, Synced, and the Audacious Woman. And she sits on the advisory board for Strong Fitness Magazine and contributes to various radio, media, and paper publications. And as you might have guessed, our conversation today is all about women and hormones and how we sometimes go wrong. So we span all sorts of interesting topics that I think is going to be really useful for you, including how we change through our menstrual cycle. We talk about women who no longer menstruate. So maybe you've had a hysterectomy or you're in menopause. We talk about the importance of anchoring ourselves to a cycle that we can follow. We talk about the lunar cycle and we talk about a lot of mindset and I would call it soul set as well. I think that uh, Jen alludes to this in our conversation that, you know, she's really doubled down on hormones for a long period of time in her work and really moving towards also looking under the uh, vertical of mental health mindset and resilience. And I think that I, her and I share a lot of similarities in terms, not only of our, in terms of our work, of course, which you may have already seen, we both have a really, uh, we're both very passionate about teaching women to live in harmony with these cycles, whether it is the moon or your reproductive cycle, but also that there's literally no point to doing all of this if you hate the body that you inhabit. And so we talk a lot about mindset. We talk a lot about how you can learn to love yourself. We also bridge the conversation of the divine, the def, the divine, pardon me, feminine and masculine, what those mean, because there's a certain variance in terms of what people might call feminine energy and masculine energy. And she describes what it means to be uh, in her feminine. We talk about her daily routines and we talk about some of the things that are on the horizon for her, including her new project called The Audacious Woman. 
I think you are really going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, you'll notice there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of respect that we both have uh, for each other. We've known each other for many, many years, and I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Jen Pike. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause, and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. All right, all right. I am so excited because today I am welcoming my friend and my colleague, Jen Pike, to the show. Jen, welcome to BETTER. Thanks so much for having me, Steph. I'm pumped to be here. We just had about a 30 minute conversation before we press record. (laughs) So, So I figured we should stop chit-chatting and getting caught up on everything because you just had a big recent move out to BC, which maybe we can talk a touch about, but, um, I wanted to start cause all the juicy stuff was in that conversation. I wanted to bring it into our conversation. So before we get into your move, I thought for my listeners who don't know you and don't know your work, um, you and I do very, we are very similar in that we talk a lot about, honoring female physiology. We talk about Mm -hmm. honoring the cyclicity of our ebbs and flows of our moods and our hormones and our um, energy levels and all the things. And I would love for you to explain to me and the Bettys what what your origin story is. How did you fall into this line of work? Um, What have been some of your aha moments in terms of your own health? And what have, you know, and what are you doing? What are you doing now? Well, for me, you know, it started really young. I was, I can remember being six and my dad taking me to the Toronto Fitness Institute with him when he would go and do his workouts. And I remember they had like this junior kids club environment and right out of the gates, I was so just intrigued and enamored by watching people move their bodies in this way. And um, I remember that by the time we we had moved, you know, north of Toronto at the age of nine, I was going regularly with my dad to do my own kind of movement. And he was doing his thing. And my mom was going to like jazzercise with the ladies. And it was always part of my environment at home. And then by the age of 14, I was going to the gym every morning with my dad before high school. Um, and I knew very, very early what I wanted to do for a career. And when I started I was going to school for um, anatomy and uh, kin and like human kinetics. And I started to do personal training right out of the gates. And I was working with a lot of athletes then. So I started off in more of an androgynous kind of male environment. I was working with primarily hockey players at the time. Um, I spent a period of time working with the Toronto Maple Leafs with their strength and conditioning team when Gary Roberts was captain. And we were doing a lot of labs out of York University and Station 7. And I loved it because working with athletes, 
you could just do anything with them and they would do it because that was the name of the game and they were committed to their craft, but they also had this team in this village around them. They had the nutritionists, they had the chiropractors, they had the massage therapists, they had it all at the tip of their fingers. And so, yes, they worked hard, but they also had it all around them. I was part-time working at home as a personal trainer in Newmarket where I grew up. And that was all with women. A lot of them moms. I did not have kids yet at that time. And we were getting results with them doing movement. But then the nutrition piece was becoming bigger. And I decided to go back to school at that time. It was in 2001. Um, actually my first day of school for holistic nutrition was nine 11. So I'll never forget that day. And I started to implement more nutritional methodology in with their training. And we were still getting, you know, good results, even better results, but there was always something that was missing and I couldn't quite put my finger on the pulse, but it came up around their hormones, came up around their sleep. And then I became a mom myself and I was like, Oh, Okay. This is very different. And I remember vividly after I had my first, I just wanted to call up every client I had had who had children before and just say, I am so sorry. I heard what you said, but I did not understand what you meant when you were describing to me what was going on. And that was a sliding door moment for me becoming a mother. I had this whole new appreciation for the female body in a way that I had just never been able to, to tap into, like it wasn't tangible to me before it was just information. And so when I became a mom, I, that was it. Like I was just all in. And what was interesting for me, Steph, is at the age of 17, I was in a yoga studio one day and this book literally fell off the shelf when I was putting my shoes on called taking charge of your fertility by Tony Weichler. And as a 17 year old, I was on the pill. I didn't know that that meant that I wasn't having, you know, a true period. And I was, I opened up this book and it was talking about tracking. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. And I literally started to track on graph paper with a pencil, my cycle, not knowing that being on the pill meant I didn't need to be tracking that, but this was just kind of how it started. And so I fast forward all these years later when I became a mother and I started to do this deep dive really now into learning more about the endocrine system and the hormones and the interaction with that on our gut and our microbiome and our nervous system and adrenals and thyroid. And I was having these just, you know, green light moments nonstop. And I was hungry for the information because it was helping me in my own body, but it was helping all the women that I was working with in a way that I'd never been able to quite touch before. And so that really started for me, the journey of beginning to have a specialty. I would say before that, that I was really a generalist as a nutritionist. I would just work with anybody who needed help in the fitness side of things. I went from working with athletes to only working with women. That was the, you know, the demographic that I was super, which is a big jump because you probably went primarily from men you know, working with male athletes with the yep. whole community and village around them to working probably with a mom of one or two single mom in some cases as well, which is a huge jump in terms of demographic. A hundred percent. And she had no community. Right. And so it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. And then, you know, when my kids were two and four, I thought it was a really good idea to open up my own brick and mortar space. Cause I thought that would create simplicity. I even called it simplicity <laughs> and it did on some level. I wasn't chasing after the paycheck anymore. Um, it was really hard. It was a very hard few years for me as a young mom and running a company and having team, but it was the birthplace of, um, the woman that I really needed to step into. And it started this beautiful community. And it's really where a lot of my research and development happened 
that propelled me into what I do now with the hormone project and synced because every day I was showing up and it was evolving in front of me, watching these women's bodies, listening to their stories, asking them questions, spending time together in community, spending time together in circle. It was just like, it was simultaneously one of the hardest times for me, but the most enriching periods of time as a woman in my life. I sold that 2015 and shifted my entire company online. And here we are today in 2021. I think uh, I, I, I resonate with a lot of your story because we have very, there's a lot of parallels. So I too ran um, a clinic when my children were very young. I would often leave because I wanted to be there in the afternoons for my bunnies. I mm-hmm. would leave early in the morning. So I didn't get that. They didn't wake up with mom. Like they woke up with like either their dad or a caregiver, uh, my mother who would, uh, who would go in, come in early and help out. And very difficult, like dealing with the mom guilt all the time of like mm-hmm. leaving the babies early in the morning, uh, not having those morning cuddles with them and, and, you know, being there to start their day, but very similar to you also seeing just absolutely stark different. I, I was still seeing men and women in my brick and mortar practice, mm-hmm. but very different outcomes. For me, I was seeing very different outcomes in nutrition because we were running nutrition programs in addition to, you know, some of the rehab and, and the body work that we were doing in the chiropractic clinic. Um, but very much noticing patterns very early on that men and women had very different prognoses in terms of the adherence to the program, because, mm-hmm. you know, you said something that was really important. She didn't have community. Mm-hmm. So, and, and she needs, we, one of the things that I think is really important important to, to highlight here is that women need community potentially more than men do because men Mm -hmm. tend to be a little bit more independent. You can, I used to be able to tell a patient if it was a male patient, okay, your upper body strength is this, it needs to be here. So next month when we retest you, I need to see such and such of an improvement. And they would just go and get after it. Like they would just go and do their thing. They'd come back a month later, kill the test. And they'd be like, okay, what's next? You know, whereas with a female, I had to check in with her more. There was more Mm -hmm. pieces of encouragement. She was frustrated more. There was, she had much, it seemed like she had a lot more demands in terms of, um, the, the, the hats that she was wearing every Mm -hmm. single day and the support system that you alluded to and not really understanding how she was physiologically different than, Mm -hmm. you know, her husband who might've been doing the same program. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I appreciate what you're saying because I think that one of the things I want women to understand, and we've talked about this on, when I was on your podcast is that women are not little men, we're different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I was wondering, uh, I'd love to hear in your words, in your, in your experience, in your clinical experience as well, how women are not little men, how we are different, you know, every single day of the month, whether it's energy wise, hormonally, uh, mindset, sleep wise, like what are some of the things that you have, um, that you've been able to tease out that make us uh, distinct as, as females versus our male counterparts? Well, yes, to all of the above that you just mentioned (laughs) it, you know, I think one of the first things is understanding that, and this isn't, I'm not going to blanket term this for every man. Um, but for a lot of men, it's like, okay, if you give them a task, 
they're not then thinking about how it's going to impact the kids, the wife, the, you know, the coworkers, the whoever else is where for us, when we're given a task or something to do, especially if it is something that is for us, the individual as a woman, we automatically think about the impact it's going to create and have on everything else that is part of our life. You know, I always say as women, it's like, you know, we may look like we're standing there with the same two arms as a man, but truthfully, we're like an octopus. We just have like all these moving limbs and parts and we're catching all different things or repelling different things in any given moment. You just don't see it literally on the outside, but it's what we're feeling on the inside. And we are these beautiful cyclical beings as women, but because we've not been educated in that way, we don't understand that we go through different phases, not only every single month, but every season truthfully in any given moment. And we're made up of so much more than just what we do. We're made up of what we're coming in contact with the other people's energy around us. So when you talk about these demands, these aren't just demands you see in your Google calendar. These are, you know, they're not just the tangible demands. They're the demands that perhaps are stories and limiting beliefs we're putting on ourselves. It's areas we feel like we have shortcomings. You talked about the mommy guilt. It's the things we feel like we could or should be doing, but we don't have the capacity to do. It's what we want to say and speak, but we don't that we're holding on to. We are like, I look at women and I can't not see this like beautiful quilt of all these different pieces that have just been building up to create the fabric of who we are over the years. But for some women, if they're not connected to that, that beautiful quilt can feel like an armor that is like weighing them down. And so when we're talking about that women don't necessarily understand the physiology of that or how deep it goes, it's like, how could we? growing up in the society that we have. We've never been empowered with the true potential or ability that our body holds onto, which is why when women come into your environment or listen to your podcast or my podcast or anything where there's like this immediate resonance and you, you hear it and you see it in women, right? Like they're just, they sit up taller, they stand taller, they lead forward with their chest. They're just like, oh my gosh, where has this information been my whole life? And that, you know, like that's what gets me up in the morning. And I would say that's probably the single biggest piece of feedback that I would, I would gander that you receive. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can tell you that I receive. like, where was this information? Why mm -hmm. wasn't I ever taught about my fertility? Why was I taught to fear my fertility? Why was mm -hmm. I never taught about actually how it works? And I, I remember having a conversation with um, Lisa Hendrickson Jack. I know she's mm. been on, on yeah. your show as well. And I remember we were talking about fertility. And I, re I remember having this realization while we were talking. And I said, you know, when I was younger, I used to, and I was, you know, no, not throwing shade to any religion. I grew up Roman Catholic, so I'm, I can only speak to my experience, but I used to think getting in a pool, I could get pregnant by getting in a pool. Like I had no idea. I was like, Oh my God, is there another guy in here? I don't, I'm not going to, I'm just going to stay on the side. I, I had no idea how it worked. And I know that that sounds foolish, but it's, it's the absolute truth. I was so clueless about mm my fertility. And I, you know, and I've had so many women tell me they spent years on the pill mm -hmm. and then they were like, well, I'm just ready to have a baby now and got off the pill and expected them, you know, to fall pregnant within a month or two. And certainly that was not, I mean, it's, it's certainly the case for some people, for some women, mm -hmm. but not all. And, 
you know, a lot of women are fresh. We're like, why didn't anyone talk to me about the side of like, yeah. why didn't any, why did I, why was I told this was a low dose mm-hmm. uh, pill? Why wasn't some, why didn't somebody say, Hey, you may have some issues in fertility down the line. And why was I on this for two decades? Why didn't mm-hmm. anyone ever think to take me off of this? Mm-hmm. And so much of that, I mean, so in talking, you know, about origin stories, I think for me as well too, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the gift that my life has been, but I'm adopted. And my birth parents were 15 and 16 years old when they got pregnant with me. And I've always known my birth story since day one. Like it was a bedtime story for me. And so my parents and my, my sister that I grew up with, my brother, my sister was 16 when I was four. So I was watching from a very young age, her body go through all these things and that. So it was, it was a conversation that was happening in our house. And I had questions from a very young ages, you know, 15 and 16. I can remember when my sister turned 15 And the conversation changing in the house. And I was young. I was three around the stories my parents were telling me. And as I got older, it was, well, how did they get pregnant at 15 and 16? And so I just learned from a much younger age about different things. So I was lucky to have access to that. And it also, I think for me, I just became more empowered as a young woman because I knew that it wasn't just myth that you could get pregnant as a teen. If you were having, you know, intercourse, I was, I was a product of that. I was living proof that that actually could happen. And so I, I think for me, like I got so involved in learning about hormones and contraception and cycles and all that from a young age, because I didn't want that to be my destiny. And it just, so it's part of what sent me down this path. And I think that you know, a lot of my friends I grew up with, there was so much shame for them around periods. And I can remember being in gym class in high Completely. school yeah. and we'd get at a health class and I'd be like, just so you know what we just learned, totally not freaking true. Um, you know, here's this, that, and the other. And they'd be like, oh my God, we're, we're not even allowed to have our period products in the, the bathroom. Like we have to hide it and then take it in. And I just didn't grow up in that household. So for me, it was a bit different. And now too, like I have a, I have a daughter and a son and my son, I mean, he could probably teach girls more about their periods than they actually know, because we've never made it something that is, you know, hush, hush. I, um, I echo that. And I love that, um, your son can probably run a run. I feel like my son, like he's, you know, he's almost uh, 11 could probably run a menstrual cycle class because I don't, and all the proper words as well. Right. It's not like pee pee and all it's like, there's vulva and there's a vagina and there's a uterus and there's an endometrial lining. And so, uh, that that's been very important for me for them to have the proper anatomical terms as Mm -hmm. well so that they, so it's not this hush hush thing that there's no shame around it. Mm -hmm. And we have conversations around testes and penises and, you know, we have all these different uh, conversations so that they know how to properly identify um, their parts as well, which I think is important. And that shame piece for women. I mean, this is specifically like inside the hormone project where I work with, with women and our coaches do is that we oftentimes are working with women late thirties, forties, and in their fifties who've carried this shame and this guilt and this negative energy around their bodies and fertility for literally their entire life. And I can tell you that that is also what will contribute to the severity of their symptoms, of their struggles, of what is going on. It's not just about, you know, the quality of the bleed you see, or if you have breast tenderness or headaches or breakouts, or you're not sleeping at night, it's like constantly peeling it back and being like, well, where's your energy and your connection to this cycle that you have had? 
And it's amazing, again, when you spend time with women and you start to ask them more questions about it, they think it's because they're not eating enough vegetables or they're not, you know, taking the right supplement. And I can tell you from, you know, decades of clinical experience and working with women, that is almost always not the case. There, there is something deeper that's going on in there. When you start to talk to her and help her access those pieces, it's beautiful, the healing that can happen free from so many of the things that we think it's about. Yeah. And I, I think that's such an important point because it is often just like, what's the one supplement that I'm missing in my mm-hmm. regime that's going to that's gonna move the needle for me? And it's more of this um, maybe overly simplistic, overly mechanistic, like, you know, if you start taking berberine, like, yeah, maybe it's going to help you regulate your blood, you know, glucose right. levels, but you still hate yourself. Yeah. Right. You, you, you still hate that you're a woman. You still hate your hips. You still hate, you know, uh, you know, whatever you've decided to um, to reject as and, and women. Uh, sometimes this is the this is the tough conversation. And I love that you've created communities like the Hormone Project. I'd love for you to speak more about that and maybe synced as well. I know mm-hmm. this is two mm-hmm. um, two uh, programs that you run. Um, and I would I would lead into that with maybe having you walk us through what cyclical living means to you as a woman, how does it, what does it mean to live in harmony um, and live aligned with our cycles as women? So within cyclical living before that becomes or comes the cyclical awareness, you have to be aware first of what you're trying to pay attention to in order to start to apply that to the way that you, you are living your life. So this is not just tracking your bleed because there's cyclical living for women that are in their fertility years who do still have a menstrual bleed. And there is cyclical living for women who either don't have a regular cycle, they're in perimenopause or they've gone through menopause and beyond. So I'll start first by talking about the menstrual. So the first thing is you do want to start to track whether it is an app that you're using on a device or you're literally just paper tracking it. I like for women to track more than just their actual bleed, right? Like that, that final phase, your, your cycle is not when you have your period, your period is that it is your bleed week. This is really, it's the culmination. It is the end result of everything else that our body has gone through throughout the various phases. And the cycle is literally from that first day of bleed all the way through until you get that next first day of bleed. And I know you teach a ton about that on here. So it's paying attention to yes, that, but also understanding the ebbs and flows of how you feel physically, physiologically, mentally, and emotionally throughout the month. When do you feel sharper cognitively and in your brain? When do you want to be more out there, you know, and connecting and exposing yourself? When do you have the opposite of that, where you want to start to pull back and you want to start to, you know, prune and kind of purge what's going on and and start to detach yourself and let go of some things? When do you want to fully hibernate and do the inside work? When a woman can start to understand that there is literally chemistry changes happening in her body that can very much impact where and how she'll feel like that. It gives her a new level of understanding how she can show up in her life that we are not men. We don't have a 24 hour rhythm. We are never going to feel, be and function the same day to day ever, regardless of how old you are. And so when we talk about, you know, like phase one, which is that follicular phase and the role that that plays in our body, there's a seasonal connection and a moon connection to every single phase that we're going through that happens on the physiological side. There's an energetic component to that as well, too. So that follicular energy is very much like 
the spring. It's the emergence. It's like the planting new seeds. It's exciting. It's fresh. It's like, okay, you know, you're coming out of your shell. This is that waxing moon energy. And this is when we are more primed to start new things you know, to take on something that's, you know, a new passion project, um, you know, to dig a little deeper, to put ourselves out there, to be very, very creative as where, when you start to move into something like ovulation, which is like that summer energy, which for me, ovulation, it's the full moon, it's bloom. It's all about growth. So you can still be in that very similar energy that you would in in the follicular. Um, You also, this is a time where for a lot of women, they may you know, blow dry their hair, which could be a big thing for them. They put the earrings on, they want to be more seen. Their pheromones are changing to that as well too. There's a different kind of attraction. And this isn't just about wearing a flowery dress and putting on your red lipstick. This is like you and your body as a woman, there's something that just like becomes woke in your system. And it's actually one of the things you can attune yourself to as a woman, because not every woman will feel that way coming into ovulation. And that can be one of the signs of something potentially being out of alignment is if you feel the opposite of how I just described, like you want to crawl into a hole during ovulation, you're in a lot of pain. It feels very inflammatory. Pay attention to that as well, too. When we come through that into our luteal phase, which is the longest of the phases, so is the waning gibbous phase of the moon, longest period of time. This is what we're in right now. This is the fall. This is the autumn. And this is, it's my favorite phase of all four phases. It is the anchoring in. It is the um, having absolute resolution around what is serving you, what is not, what feels good. This is the calling. This is like really paying attention to where do I want to show up and how, what do I want to, you know, move away from? And this is like, for me, I always know when I'm entering it, even if it's like, I'm not looking at how I'm tracking it because I will automatically be in my calendar. Where can I shrink things? What can I, you know, like make it less, make it less so I can do that inside work. And this is preparing us for coming into our actual bleed or that new moon energy, which it's the inside work. Like we are literally shedding and regenerating organ. And I don't think women understand just how much work and energy goes into the phases our body moves through in a month. And that is just, we're talking about what's happening in our body. That is not then, you know, building your company, going to your job, raising your babies, being a partner, being, you know, a sister, a daughter, a human being. That's not any of that that gets tacked onto it. So when you start to connect and and understand those phases in your body, you can start to now line up your life based on where, you know, energetically you're going to be in those phases. So it doesn't always lay out, you know, there perfectly. Um, Sometimes things in your schedule are going to happen when you're on your menstrual cycle. It doesn't mean that you have to cancel it because you're bleeding. It means that you double down on taking your care of yourself leading into those things. You're not overextending. You're supporting your blood sugar. You're, you know, hydrated. You're taking care of your minerals, like those types of things. So this isn't, some women get confused on this and think, oh, geez, there's only two weeks out of the month where I can work. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> or there's only two weeks out of the month that I can, you know, lift weights or I can right. you know, train to a certain intent. Right. That's not what this means. Right. So don't put dogma and lines around this. Like, let's make this how we are, which is, you know, soft and curvy and juicy and very much in flow. You're just trying to understand the base of it so that you can create this level of flexibility in how you show up for your body versus the woman that is like, 
I'm type A, I'm task oriented. I'm just going to, I'm do, 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 do. And she's just like a generator that never runs out of fuel and is burning herself out. Um, that is a slippery slope. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing, salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. Element T also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. Yeah. And I think I love that you distinguish between women who are menstruating or in their reproductive years and women who Mm -hmm. are menopausal. Because again, if there's another area of confusion that I often run up against is like, well, Mm -hmm. how does this apply to a woman who's in perimenopause or how does this apply to a woman who's in menopause? And you and I are are similar in that I, and you've been already mentioning some of the lunar cycles and how Mm -hmm. to anchor yourself, like whether you are menstruating or not, you've had a hysterectomy, you're in menopause, Mm -hmm. you are, you know, you have irregular cycles, um, anchoring yourself to the rhythms of the moon, I think are a wonderful practice. You know, you've mentioned the new moon and the full moon. I often call the full moon like big ovary energy. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. this expansion. It's like, I'm here. You know, Mm -hmm. there's this sacred energy that's being given to you, hopefully because you've done some of the internal work that you just mentioned in that luteal phase. And you've been thinking about some of the things that are not aligned mm-hmm. with you, whether it's, you know, in your work life and your personal life, you know, the way that you are showing up and then you are gifted, I think every cycle with this expansive energy, this mm-hmm. GSD, you know, this like get stuff done, um, energy. And I, you know, if you are, if you are practicing some of these lunar, like, you know, and I love the word lunatic because of course it means, you know, someone who reveres the moon has no, and actually that's what it means. It's not, even though in uh, modern language, it's used to, you know, comment on someone's mental status. But when we are, when we are in alignment with the, the pulses and the phases of the moon, Mm -hmm. I think that we can also just orient ourselves and ground ourselves uh, into the earth through that connection with that beautiful celestial body as well. Yeah. And, you know, for us as women, we also um, if you go back and look at the lineage of a lot of the the words, the meanings of word and like lunar lunacy, all of that, not only has it been connected to mental health status, but for women who were recognized as a threat hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years ago that were, you know, revered as like medicine women. But back then that was not a positive thing. They were referred to as witches. They were referred to as, you know, evil. And if they carried black magic with them, um, one of those things is us as women, we are, whether or not you understand this as we're talking about it now, and you're hearing it, or you want to understand it, you are intimately connected with the lunar rhythm. You are intimately connected with mama nature. You are intimately connected with the seasons. Even if you don't live in an area of the world where you literally see seasonal changes happen, like you and I are both in North America, it's very distinct. This is something that is literally the fabric 
and like the acacic material of who we are as cellular human beings as women. So it is fascinating. And I love working with women. I am perimenopausal myself right now. Menopause to me is like, it is the feminine uprising. It is this beautiful opportunity to fully embody who we are. And I work with so many women who are so sad that they've lost their period. And I, I understand and I empathize with that, but that doesn't mean that we no longer have a system that we can tap into. There is still a barometer within us. It's just a new learning. Yeah. And, you know, to your point around witches, um, I, I did a post on Instagram maybe a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month, however, however many weeks or whatever it was. And the title was which, Witch is which, you know, mm. cause I was talking about these, these medicine women who had, and it was tinctures and they, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, we're coming up to this, this podcast is going to be produced, uh, in the next week or two. So just ahead of Halloween. Halloween. And of course we have Halloween, we have the witches and it's like with the boil on her nose and she's this loner that, that has this big witch's brew. And it's like, or it could have mm-hmm. been, a healing soup. It could have been tinctures to help with the sniffles for her children. Mm-hmm. Um, and recall that these witches, air quotes, witches, uh, were burned uh, mm-hmm. in the public forum to mm-hmm. set an example. So, you know, the the post that I made on Instagram was, why were we taught to be afraid of the witches and not the people who burned them alive? Exactly. You know, these were the these were the women that were healing their community, the medicine women, as you um, um, as you and I were talking about that the show that you recommended for me to watch. Um, yes, the, oh my yeah. gosh, Outlander. You have to. It's not a, not necessarily. There's some witch stuff that comes in there, but it's good for many other reasons. And your listeners, if they've watched Outlander, they will know why. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, but sorry, I, I agree with you completely on that. And it is, that is the question. It is, there's all women of power in on any level, a woman of confidence, a woman who's not afraid to use her voice, a woman who's not afraid to be an advocate for herself has always been viewed as a threat. Yep. So, you know, back then she was burned, she was stoned, she was drowned, she was whatever it was. Nowadays, that doesn't happen where we live, but you are censored, you are canceled, you are called a bitch, you are, you know, talked about by everybody and anybody. It, it, if you enjoy sex, if you enjoy sex, oh my gosh, so many God words forbid. that we, yeah. Right. right? Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you, you come up with the thesaurus of all the different names of how women and it's, it's really, it's, it's really sad. Um, but I also look at it because I have a 15 year old daughter and we have conversations about like the mean girls, you know, and I'm like, don't give them so much energy because there are 10 times as many wonderful women and girls that are out there as there are the mean, they're just the loudest. So you can get loud in your own right, but you don't have to be boisterously loud, get loud by doing the quiet work inside. It's like when you see entrepreneurs that are like, you know, create the goal silently, smash them behind the scenes, and then like show what it is that you've done. I feel that same way about so much in life. We are in a culture now where because of Instagram and snap and TikTok and whatever the heck else, it's like, we do it. We immediately have to announce it. It's coming. We immediately have to drip on it. it there's the, there's no pause anymore of like actually relishing in the, the creativity of it or the celebration. I had this post I released um, and I did an episode that I really struggle with celebrating success as a woman. I celebrate with, you know, 
I, well, I don't, I haven't, I've just been rediscovering what luxury and celebration means to me because I'm not connected to material things. And so in my head, I've had this idea that if I'm celebrating something, it needs to be with like a new bag or like a label or a trip well, that I'm not doing right now. Um, and so I really struggled with how to celebrate and I had to redefine what luxury means for me and luxury for me. It's like, my luxury is actually quiet mornings alone. It's like drinking something warm in a mug. It's wearing clothes that make me feel beautiful and feminine. It's being in nature. It's not rushing. It's, you know, so I think that so much of that for us as women, you know, this all tethers into when you start to become aware of your body as a whole, all these other beautiful pieces start to just appear that you didn't even maybe know were part of how you'd be healthy. Mm. I love that. And I think, you know, celebrating as a woman, you know, coming back to your point around community, this is why, you know, maybe your, your daughter is, you know, dealing with mean girls. And, you know, we sort of know historically that women are not actually allowed like as from a cultural perspective to be aggressive. So the mm -hmm. only avenue that women typically have is to have this sort of backdoor, you mm -hmm. know, to assault, you know, someone's character and to talk behind their back and to have these, like the mean girls where they, they create rumors and all this, um, you know, uh, around other girls. But when you create community, as you mm. said, for every three mean girls, there's going to be eight or 10 amazing girls yeah. uh, or women that want to come together and support. And it's like, don't believe the hype. There's not more mean girls than there are nice ones. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's when you come into a community, like some of the ones that you have created in the hormone project and in synced. And I want to talk about your, um, your upcoming project, the audacious woman as well, mm -hmm. um, where you can feel safe in circle and mm -hmm. you can celebrate and know that there's not going to be, it's not going to be held against you. You're not going to be, right. you know, punished for the things that you desire. You say that it's not going to be, you know, yeah. Like, I think, I think that's it is that we're so afraid because we don't want to be the example um, that might be in a negative way or that we're going to be made fun of, or that everybody's opinion is going to hit us like hand smacking us. And we're, that is ultimately what women are afraid of is I, I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want attention. And I, I don't, don't want be people lynched. to think bad of me. Exactly. I don't want to be the one that gets lynched. Yep. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And I, um, well, let me, let me start off by saying that I will always celebrate your wins. <laughs> well, thank you and vice versa. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about what are, you mentioned it, but I would love to get a, a deeper sense with someone who's had the, um, the tenure that you've had in terms of understanding cyclical living for women of all, um, you know, all walks of life at any arc in the female experience. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some of the daily habits and patterns and rituals that you have found to really anchor you? And how do those change for you right now as a woman in perimenopause? How do those change either seasonally, uh, monthly, uh, weekly, or daily? Mm -hmm. So the first one for me is movement. Um, movement for me is how I, it's how I say hello to my body. It's also how I come home to myself. And I say movement, not exercise. Cause I don't believe those to be the same thing. So movement for me, it could be breath work. That is my movement in the morning. It could be getting outside in nature. It could be actually doing a true workout where I'm lifting or I'm doing bar Pilates, something like that, that I move my body based purely on my cycle. So that is something that cyclically shifts for me. Um, 
I, I need to start my morning with quiet time for me. So typically it's going to be something warm that I'm drinking, whether it's like an elixir or a tea or whatever it may be. Uh, and then, you know, the house is up. And so it's, you know, mom, family, that my schedule, I shift in accordance to where things are at in my life and my cycle. And just, I, I because I've been tracking for 20 some odd years now, I, I can like look ahead, even as my cycle starts to change a little bit in perimenopause and just kind of know generally, like, this is a good time to plug this in versus not. I stabilize my blood sugar like a queen, because if that is out of balance, I'm unhinged. I can't focus. I can't be as present as I need to be. So blood sugar stability is huge and eating food that really feels good to me, not food that is, you know, I'm told is healthy for me or is unhealthy for me, but really truly connecting to the food that I know vibrationally when I put in my body, it is a heck yes. Uh, and I think that's where we can struggle a lot as women too, is that we just, we've classified food as healthy, unhealthy, clean, or dirty, and it gets confusing. And so for me, I and just, they're reclassified. I, they're reclassified over time too, right? <laughs> right. All the time, all the time. So that is really big. Um, and you know, for me, I go back and forth, like the podcast has been really cathartic for me. Um, I do solo bites on Thursdays. Now I often record them when I'm walking and that is, it's really cathartic for me. I write a lot. I get to bed early. Like ladies, if there is only one thing you could choose to do for yourself that is going to have probably the biggest bang for buck on everything, like from your mitochondrial health that is deepest layer to everything that you hope for, it is go to bed. <laughs> go to bed. Even if you're not sleeping right away, just lie yourself down um, because that is like, we literally can't put that in a bottle for you. Yeah. It is something it, you have to really work towards. Totally. And I think, you know, um, we resist it too, right? It's, it, we we're like, Oh, I'll just watch one more show. Oh, I'll right. just one more email, one more thing. And I, I completely agree with you. There's not, you are going to have all the things that you're trying to avoid this inferior fuel partitioning, your motivation to get things done, your likelihood mm -hmm. of movement of any kind, uh, is going to, is going to be kiboshed by, you know, you trying to get the energy that you should have had. Mm -hmm. You're going to have processed sugars and food, simple, simple energy, and you're probably not going to move the way that you should, uh, when you are sleep deprived. And I think yeah. we've all been sleep deprived. We've all, if you're a mother, you know what that means. You have a, uh, you know, you are the president <laughs> of, yeah. of the sleep deprived, uh, you know, company. And I think, you know, I remember, um, writing boards. It was like three days of board exams. And in between I was studying for eight hours. So I would, you know, write the board exams for eight hours. I'd go and I'd study for the next day, another eight hours, probably mm -hmm. all night, sit down and write another eight. And then I did that. I mean, I was so sick after, mm -hmm. um, after getting my license, it was, you know, so we push ourselves, we push yeah. ourselves beyond the physical limits of our matter thinking that, Oh, it's, it's just this one thing. It's just this one thing. But these, these are the, you know, the accumulation of these insults really do add up so that, you know, I, I find a lot of women in perimenopause are like, all of a sudden I can't sleep. Yeah. I just one night, one week, mm -hmm. just lost mm -hmm. it. No ability to sleep. So uh, but this is what you just described, Steph. It's like, it's unbelievable that we have the ability as women where you could literally do what you did for those 72 hours while having little ones while like, and get, and get done what you needed to get done because we can do that. But there is, there is a cost for how often we tap into that power that we have to do that. And if that's how we're running our life day to day, 
That is where the burnout happens. That is where the women say like, I was fine. And then I wasn't, that doesn't, that doesn't actually happen, right? It's a slow build, but because we are hardwired with this, just, you know, incredible resiliency, we can also ignore, dismiss, suppress until the body is just like, all right, enough's friggin' enough. Like I've been giving you signs and symptoms left, right, and center. You're not listening. Now I'm going to, you know, slam you into the wall or, or force you to lay on the ground. And that's why we do what we do because we don't want women to get to the point because you and I both have actually been at that point. It is not fun. It's not fun. And I would say that it borders on abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are abusing the, um, uh, you're abusing your physiology and you're not honoring it, which I think is, um, kind of brings me to the next piece of this, which is, uh, I've heard you talk and just knowing you for years. Um, I've heard you talk about the divine feminine and the divine masculine, and these are energies. They're not, we're not talking about gender. We're not talking about chromosomal sex. We're talking about energies, um, where I think that there's been, um, almost like a, a poo-pooing on masculine energies. Like there's this mm-hmm. toxic masculine energy. We have to eliminate it. Um, and I, I would like to, I would like to hear your, uh, your thoughts on this, but I am of the opinion that there are many women like myself for many years who were divorced from her feminine, didn't honor the surrender, the slowing down, the, um, the nurture side of things. I was just putting my head down and punching stuff out, achieve, 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 achieve at the cost of my health. But I also think that there's value in Mm -hmm. masculine energy, but it's just, it's the, it's the, um, it's the balance, if you will. Mm-hmm, I can't think mm-hmm. of a better word than balance, yeah. but you know, the, it's the balance between the two. It's tapping in, it's going all in and masculine and then saying, okay, on the other side of that, I'm going to oscillate all the way to the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to slow down for 72 hours of the board exam. We're going to take two to three weeks off to recover mm-hmm. from that. You know, Speak to me a little bit about um, what the divine feminine or what feminine energy means to you and how we can... Um, bring that into balance into a society that really does only seem to honor the masculine and what mm-hmm. the, the ma- masculine energy means to you as well. Well, I think, you know, starting with the masculine is that to me, it is an energy of survival. And I think that for us as women, when we are in these situations or phases of life where it feels like we just have to survive and get through it, that's where we really tap into the masculine energy. It's much more androgynous. It's much more take control. The the positive of that is you can absolutely get things done. And, you know, I much like you in terms of I'm, you know, very success and career oriented and I have my passion projects and I love doing it um, to a fault sometimes previously. And now I, I catch it. And so I think it's that you do need to have the masculine because that, and you know, I also believe you need to have some ego. That's what creates drive. That is what gives us that level of hunger for what it is that we want to go after. And it's what also allows us to, to create completion, but the feminine, the feminine is where grace and compassion live. And that's where the ebb and the flow is. That to me is like, you know, simplicity is, is a, a mantra of my life. And when I'm living in my own feminine energy, that is where simplicity finds me. And that feminine energy is it's softer. It's less struggle. It's more the parasympathetic. It is a calmer sense all throughout your body. Um, there's no rushing, you know, things just unfold and happen as they will. And 
I can use those now as uh, two ends of the same, you know, cord to understand am I under maximum tension? If I'm starting to feel everything tighten up again and my overall tone in my whole body is, you know, getting rigid, that's too much masculine that's come in. I need to peel back. I need to soften. I need to really look at what am I doing? And am I doing things that feel feminine to me, right? So like, for me, it's things of how I nurture my body is very feminine. Being in nature for me feels very feminine. Um, in my, my nighttime routine of using oils on my skin and using a gua sha and taking the time to do that and not rushing, that feels very feminine for me. The colors I choose to wear, putting earrings on, even if I'm going to go work out, that feels feminine to me. There, there's no rule of feminine versus masculine. You have to define it for yourself. Um, you know, being the first one to like reach out to hold my husband's hand or go in for a hug, that feels feminine to me, you know, allowing it to last longer. Like there's all these different things. So I think for us as women, you have to allow yourself to, and it was very hard for me, very hard for me in the beginning with the feminine energy, because I've always been the one who on the outside was like, well, she's got her shit together. And I've always been, you know, she's the leader. She's the doer. She, she doesn't need help. She's got it on her own. And if you start to be cast as that, you start to take it on and believe it. And then it gets very hard to ask for help or to soften those parts of you that really just need to be held or supported or cared for. Um, so I did a lot of, I did a lot of energy work. I did a lot of healing around that as well, too. I don't know if that answers that in the way that you were looking for, but that's what I got. No, I love it. It's great because I, I, I do think that the definition does vary from person to person. And this is something that I am intensely curious about mm -hmm. around what does it mean to be feminine? And I think that it's important particularly in the last 18 to 19 months, I know that I have been seeing women who have been in, in this pandemic where there's been so much uncertainty, so much change, like rapid change. Mm -hmm. um, we are seeing people stuck in their sympathetics. We are seeing people stuck in this fight or flight response and not being able to disengage to do some of the things that you just mentioned, to go for a walk, to find joy, like mm -hmm. to be someone who allows joy in where we are constantly just sort of holding on in this sort of frenetic um, energy where we're just like, okay, what's going to happen next? And mm -hmm. now what's going to happen next? And now what's going to happen to my kids? And what's going to happen to me? And what's going to happen to my job? And what's, mm -hmm. you know, and we're sort of seeing some of the fallout of that uh, politically and economically, you know, across the world really. And it's, it's interesting because what I'm, what I'm finding people are most holding on to right now, at least this is my observation is tell me the supplement, tell me the workout I need to do, tell me the nutrition. And it's like, we need to talk about you feeling pleasure. What does it mean for you to feel pleasure? And that could be sexual pleasure. Mm -hmm. That could be, you just, you know, had some really like going in for a hug or putting on some earrings or choosing a color to wear or, you know, putting on makeup or whatever. We're forgetting about mm -hmm. some of these things that make us feel good. It could be just wearing lingerie that no mm -hmm. one's going to see, including right. your partner. <laughs> it's just, you know, that you got the sexy knickers on. No one else needs to know about it, but yeah. you know, for how that makes you feel, mm -hmm. I think is important. And that's what I, I see that being, eroded somewhat. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm interested in bringing that conversation back front and center because, you know, you are a mother, you're an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you are a partner, you are, and, and we're, we're, we're forgetting what it means to 
to put boundaries up and say, I'm actually not going to scroll on Instagram and mm-hmm. look at all the, and this is something I, I would, in the, you know, in the air of like transparency and honesty, I have had to put these own rules on myself oh, because yeah. I can go down rabbit holes and I'll be like, oh my God, the world's coming to an mm-hmm. end. And, you know, so I think that it's really important that we talk about what does it mean for things to look, what if things were easy, you know, and this is Giovanni, my partner, who I know, you know, uh, but for my Bettys who've never met him, you know, he sometimes um, will say to me, imagine it all works out exactly the way that you want, what would you be doing right now? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't be on Instagram freaking out and look going down the PubMed rabbit hole and like right. looking at how science has been abandoned and all these different things. I'm like, I would be focusing on, you know, self-betterment. I'd be, I'd be focusing on self-care. I'd be focusing mm-hmm. on being in nature and smelling the trees and planting my little plants and, you know, all the things that I like to do. Well, and you know what, with that as well, it's like, I have really in this last year and a half, um, and I, and I was good at boundaries before this year and a half, but I'm like wizard level. Amazing. <laughs> now. Like call me a witch for that. Cause that I'm like, I have gotten so darn good at disappointing people and being completely okay with it. Mm-hmm. I cannot be responsible for other people's expectation of me getting back to the message, being this, being that, like whatever the heck it is. And here's the thing, ladies, we treat, we teach people how to treat us. We also teach them what to expect from us. So if one of the things you're constantly hearing yourself say is I'm so tired, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so depleted. All right. Well, where's the leak? Where is it coming from? And then how are you participating in that? I just, I mean, my email signature used to say it's going to take me 48 to 72 hours. And now it's like, I'll get back to maybe seven to 10 days. And I don't feel guilt around it anymore. I, I, I can't because that is, there's the obvious things that we know are impacting our stress and our hormone levels and our cortisol and our insulin and our body's ability to recover and to heal. And then there are the ones that are so tiny and we think are so minuscule that we don't realize are creating chronic low-grade inflammation. And that feeling of not letting people down is chronic low-grade inflammation. Mm. And that could be the thing that for some of those women that are like, just one day, I'm, I just started not feeling good. It's like, but that, unless that you were happen. literally hit by a bus, like literally it hit you, mm-hmm. that does not happen. And so I think we need to be more aware and more cognizant of that. And I get it right now. Cause I work with a lot of entrepreneurs too, who are feeling this, this crunch of uncertainty in the world and you know, if they don't work, the money doesn't come in and all these and people who are at the, you know, risk of losing their jobs, or maybe it's their partner. And it's bringing this whole, we talked about this like survival energy, this post-traumatic stress, um, all of these different things to the surface. And none of us were prepared. We weren't given a warning in 2019 hey, you need to do this work to set your body up because next year is going to be a humdinger. And the year after that ain't going to get much better. <laughs> we, we didn't know. Mm. So I think a lot of people were already at their maximum tension. Yeah. And then this happened and, um, you know, and now here we are. 
I love the term maximum tension. One of my mentors, uh, Patrick Gentempo, who I know that you yeah. know, uses this term a lot. And um, he talks about not being able to get anything done because literally you're being pulled to the left and pulled to the right and pulled up and pulled down to the point snap. where you can't, you can't, you're going to snap, you can't move. Yeah. Um, so he talks about how important it is to get things in alignment so that you can redirect the left and the right energy so that it's all, you know, maybe forward momentum so that you mm-hmm. can, you you can begin to make progress in it. So just, just loved what you said about that. And that kind of brings me to, um, this program that you have, uh, started for women. Uh, mm-hmm. it's called the audacious, uh, woman. And I would love for you to explain, first of all, what does it mean to be an mm-hmm. audacious woman? And then talk a little bit about how you are serving, uh, women in, um, to up level in what, appears to be every facet of their life, including, you know, their health and their hormones and Mm -hmm. finances and all, all the different things. So talk to me about what it means to you to be an audacious woman. Well, to me, to be an audacious woman is to stand firmly and clearly in the you that you are in, in all areas of your life and to do it unapologetically. And from this place of, you know, serene beauty and certainty. And I think that for a lot of us as women, we're so out of touch. And the women that I've had the honor of working with over all these decades, it's always come to them feeling like they need to work on their body. And in some cases, yes, but that's the thing we always attach ourselves to. So if I start a new program and I start a new plan that's focused on my body and I look a different way or I function a different way, then that's what's going to you know, help me in all the other areas of my life. And there can be something said to that, but the women I work with, they really, there's deeper things going on. And so the audacious woman came from, I was doing a lot of morning pages and journaling for a long time and asking myself like, Where were the women? I didn't have the female mentors in my late teens, early 20s, my early 30s in my career. It was all men that I had around me in business that were, you know, offering me support, mentorship suggestions. And I didn't see any other women and moms who were doing what I knew was in me or what I wanted to do. I just didn't see it. And so I learned a lot on my own. I gathered what I could from the men. And then I this group of women started to emerge and I didn't like sit back and wonder how they were doing it. I like went right to them. and was like, show me, teach me. Like I am here. I am a sponge ready to soak it all up. And it was so helpful to me. And I always think of the women that they don't have access to this or they don't have the mentors in their lives. And so I started to write out if I created a mentorship, not a mastermind, but a mentorship where I created this faculty, where I brought in speakers, where we really focused on, yes, our health, but deeper than that. I want to help women with their finances. I want to have women boldly step into understanding their numbers and have financial wealth and health, their mindset around everything, health, money, relationships, bring in people who specialize in relationships, our energy around pleasure and around sex, our energy around our spiritual side of us, the soulful side of us, the parts of us that we've yet to ever even tap into because we've been afraid or we've had the shame around it. And so I I ran a beta group last year with 12 women um, and we started last January. It has been the most epically, it's been metamorphic. Like I don't even know any other way to describe what has evolved for these women in the program, but also being a facilitator. And I didn't know if I would offer it again. I was like, I feel like I have this thing in me brewing. I'm going to put it out there in the world. It literally sold out over a weekend. I didn't do a funnel. I didn't even have a sales page for it. I didn't do anything. I just said, here's the thing. I'm going to do it. And it's been this beautiful 
um, undoing, unlearning and becoming for all of the women involved. And so now this year, I'm like, I, I am here for it. And I am all in. Uh, I took 12 women last year. I'm only taking 10 this year. I want to have this really intimate container. And I've just been building this faculty of other incredible women that I want more women to have in their community. I want to build these these circles for women. And then the women who are in the audacious women, they become ambassadors of the program. So all the women that have worked with me in the last year, they are coming in into this sisterhood of helping the women that are in this round. And it's just going to continue to bloom and to grow. And it's really coming from a place for me. This isn't something where I'm like, I'm going to bring a hundred people in. I'm running it. I don't, I, I just, I'm going to keep it small, but very specific. And yeah, so it's, you know, I, I have, the simplicity project and synced and the hormone project. And I'm so intimately connected to all of these programs, but the audacious woman, it's different. It's also for the entrepreneur who's just frigging stuck and they've done all the formulas. They have the funnels. They've put everything in. They've done the semantics, right? Like they've done all the stuff, but they've not yet tapped into the woman that they are. That's what this is. That sounds amazing. And um, I think that there's a lot of women who are listening that would be very interested in learning more about that. So you talk about health, you talk about hormones, Mm -hmm. you mentioned finances. What are some of the other verticals that you got in there? Spirituality, um, mindset, um, also pleasure, sex, Mm. so much. I have an energy healer who comes in and works with us um, every single month as well, too. And we do virtual retreats. They also get oodles of gifts. Um, You know, giving gifts is one of my love languages. Acts of service is also one of them. Um, But I and I all the gifts that I provide are from grassroots companies that are also female run businesses. So there is, you know, it's much like I know you're the same way, Steph. I just there's so many touch points I want to have of creating impact. And I'm, I'm really here for the help of women, not just the business of it. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm all in. It's, it's interesting because uh, you and I are similar in that. I think that for a woman to really get this, um, and I had this conversation with Molly Galbraith with her Mm. book where she talks about, healing yourself first, like getting good with your own body. And then once mm. you've achieved that, then it's, it's, it's time to pay it forward. It's time yeah. to help other women. And I hear this in you where you said this a couple of times in our conversation where you're like, yes, nutrition's important. Yes. Movement's important. Nobody's throwing shade at that. Those mm-hmm. are foundational basics. But if you also don't you don't sink a layer deeper. If you don't Mm -hmm. actually look at maybe some of your past traumas, maybe Mm -hmm. some of the stories that you tell yourself, maybe your unwillingness to whatever blockage that you might have, unwilling to look at it or work on it or sit with it, Mm -hmm. the physical manifestations will persist. And we often, and I'm, you know, I've, I've heard this from people I've had on the pod talking about psychedelics um, and talking about indigenous uh, cultures and how they view illness. And it's often the person is spiritually sick first. Mm-hmm. They're emotionally and spiritually sick first. And then it descends into the physical realm. And you'll mm-hmm. see the physical manifestation of that sickness as blood glucose dysregulation as hormonal mayhem, whatever it may be. And it is only when you get to that sort of fifth dimension, if you will, 
mm-hmm. of looking at your soul, looking at your spiritual health, where you truly step into the person, the woman that you already are. You mm-hmm. already are this audacious woman. She just has a bunch of cloaks yeah. on her. She's got like, it's like the onions, right? It's like the layers that you just got to shed them and cry as you, sh- you know, and cry as you peel the onion. It's about yeah. shedding. It's, it's addition through subtraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, you just, you said a couple things in there. Um, I had a consult with one of the women that I'm working with this morning. And one of her biggest frustrations is that she always gets told that she's fine. And so she worked with her doctor for a while. She worked with an ND for a while and everything, you know, was fine. And so we've been working together and we've run, you know, some different testing and, um, she just had a lot of gut stuff that was coming up. And I said, you know what, let's just run a GI map. I'd really just like to rule some things out. And so I took her through her results this morning and she said, okay, like on a scale of one to 10, just like rate this, tell me kind of where I'm at. And I've been working with her for like a year and a half now. And I said, well, I said, you honestly, I said, it's like a five out of 10. There's some things that are a little bit hairier that we need to work on, but overall, And she was like, I'm so tired of being a five out of 10. Like, I I just want something really bad to show up. And I said, okay, well, your anti-gliadin level and your secretary IGA level, this is really bad. This is not good. We just went through that. But overall, you have a lot of other things that are going well. So the balance of that makes it a five out of 10. And I said, but here's the thing. I've been working with you for how long now? And you keep doing this. You keep paying for more tests and you keep going around the thing. And every time I bring up with you, you're holding on to a lot of emotion and a lot of stuff. And every time you start to feel it, you turn your camera off on our call. You have to make a conscious choice of whether or not you're going to do that work. And she didn't turn the camera. She gave me the middle finger. She didn't turn the camera off today. (laughs) She gave me the middle finger. She gave me the middle finger. That's progress. That's progress. (laughs) She laughed and then she started to cry because there is a lot that's going and And it's, I'm not like trying to bring that forward to them, but that is the thing is we are made up of so much. It is not just what this at the end of our fork or the supplements we're taking or the workout we're doing or not doing. Like you think of, even if, if you're like, my whole life has been amazing. Have the last 19 months. Cause that can be enough. It doesn't have to be trauma the way we think about trauma. Right. Right. It could be something that you have like, you know, plugged away that you didn't think was a thing that is like that chronic low grade. Well, Dr. Mate, Dr. Gabor Mate talks Mm. about this. It's your interpretation of the event that matters. It's not the, it's not the event itself. It's how you internalized it. And, you know, I, I feel for that woman, but also really feel grateful that she has you as a coach because sometimes you need a coach Mm -hmm. who's just going to push you a little bit to say, here's the mirror. Do you want to look in the mirror? You, Mm -hmm. You don't have to. But it's here if you, you know, if you want to keep your camera on, you know, I'm holding up a mirror for you. And this is, this is the path forward. And you can, you know, it's like red pill, blue pill. Like you can, Mm -hmm. you can choose which one you want and either is fine, you know, Mm -hmm. still going to love you no matter what, Mm -hmm. but the, the path that you need to take, you know, it's, and in some cases, um, I can speak to myself, my own, um, my own journey, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets better. Right? It gets worse. It gets darker and it gets worse. Um, but then on the other side, on the mm-hmm. other side is bliss. On the other side is, is, is freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and you re 
you reconstruct, you know, your role, whether it's your interpretation of events or your role in your life, mm-hmm. um, which you're never going to be taught in school. No Mm-mm. nutrition course is ever going to give that to Mm-mm. you. Mm-mm. Uh, you need to, that needs to be something that you either work with a facilitator or in a circle, as you're talking about with this group. Um, and it needs to be women who are not, you know, kind of to what we were talking about before, the same caliber of woman, right? Mm-hmm. When you have sort of women who are on the same journey together, um, where, a, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yes. You're all, you're all for, you know, it's all for one, one for all type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. All right. So where can people find out more about you? Your, I know you have a podcast, like plug all the places that people can find you, um, your podcast, your programs, Audacious Woman, tell me all the places. So podcast is the Simplicity Sessions. Uh, so you can find that Apple, like iTunes, Spotify, all the places. Uh, the website is www.jenpike.com. And that's where you can see all the info about the various programs. Um, and then Instagram is where I spend most of my time. And that is Jen with two N's, Pike, P-I-K-E. And for the audacious woman, if they're interested, so that's not something that um, I put out there a lot because I offer it once a year. They can actually just email us directly at info at genpike.com and then we can send them um, the information and an application. And when does the cohort, the next cohort start? So we were going to start at the end of November, but I actually think I'm going to be pushing it into December. I try to line everything up with the moon, all of our seasonal um all of our retreats that happen virtually are also based in the seasons and in the moon cycle. Um, and I'm just very tuned to the energy right now. And I feel like we may need December to be the start, not November. The winter solstice mm-hmm. around there. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I will have all of that information in the show notes. And um, so people that can check you out on online, Instagram, and check out the Audacious Woman program. Well, thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you today, Steph. It's been just a blessing. Every time I get to spend time with you, um, it's always wonderful. It's always wonderful to have other women, uh, in my own circle, um, who I can, uh, speak freely with. So it's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jen Pike. And before I let you go today, I want to share with you a review that came in to the, uh, for the better podcast. And this is from the motherland. It's from Canada. Uh, and this is the title is called inspiring. And she writes, I'm in my mid sixties, very active and eager to be inspired daily to continue a healthy lifestyle, which is why I listen to Dr. Stephanie informative and interesting topics presented in an easy to follow conversation for all age groups. Thank you for these upbeat and inspiring podcasts. And that is G Janice Mack. Thank you so much for the time and effort and love that you put into that review. I love that you're in your miss in your mid sixties and you are still striving for better. Um, and that's really the point of the pod, man. That's the point. That's why we're here is every day to do something better, to be better than we were the day before and not to compare ourselves to other people, but this is an internal game. So thank you so much for leaving that review. 
And I hope that if you are finding value to this pod, that you will also find the time. I know you're very busy and very important to many people, but if you are finding value in this podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or leaving a five-star rating that of course helps the podcast reach more people. We hack into the algorithm of iTunes and the more people that love the pod, the more it'll be recommended. And right now there are one point almost 4 million of you uh, that have downloaded the podcast and we want to continue reaching more women as we assemble our Betty army. So thank you again, G. Janice Mack, and I hope that you will consider leaving us a review. And until next time, we'll see you very soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's geeky magic carpet ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. 